Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. As promised, this is part two of She Who Must Not Be Named, Helen of Doherty Valley. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the engine. On January 18th, Helen said a lot of things, but one of the things she said was addressing the mental well-being of the students. And she started off by by appreciating the, the effort that the district is putting into trying to address students' well-being and their mental health. But I thought she had some very astute points on it. So here it is. I'll play it and then I'll chat about it. So I thank you for all the efforts and attention that are going into social wellness. I think it's uh, important. However, I am wondering though, um, with all these intensive um, hiring of um, the staff in the social uh, wellness and mental wellness uh, category, are we really dealing with uh, demand or are we dealing with supply? And when I sometimes I wonder why is it that if I send my healthy mentally healthy and happy child to school that he or she is so scrutinized uh, on the mental health instead of academic wellness. So let me give you an example. Um, If you late pay a teacher and the teacher becomes anxious, is it the mental healthness of the teacher that we should concentrate on? Or should we reflect on why we're paying the teacher late? So that can reflect back to the students. Are our students getting their grading, their grades uh, on their uh, assignments turned in on time? If they don't get their assignments graded on a timely basis, don't you think they might become anxious? And then when they see the teacher, they might have some emotional reaction that they might avert eye contact with the teacher. And now it's the student's problem. What about if you pay a teacher according to, um, you know, the most recently hired a teacher's pay? I know teachers are paid by their experience. So if you pay a six-year, uh, you know, experienced teacher with a one-year experience pay, do you think that teacher will be happy? That's exactly what we are doing right now. In the math program, we are giving students, uh, you know, who can earn better grades the grade of their less competent peers. Do you think they will be happy about that? And now it's their mental wellness that is uh, in, in, in question. What about you know teachers that we should pay them? They go up every year, their pay increases every year. How about if we prolong it and don't pay them until a year and a half later? Do you think they'll be happy? Uh, that's happening with how we are changing the grading scale. Instead of awarding them 4.0 is A plus, 3.8 is an A, we are telling them you cannot get an A unless you have, you cannot get an A until you have, unless you have 4.0. And if you have a 3.6, that's a B plus. That's what we're doing to the students. How about if we pay the teacher according to their political uh, opinion? That's exactly what we're doing to the students. Okay, there's a lot here, and I don't I don't profess to know all the situations that Helen is talking about, but I can speak to a few of them. So, first off, anxiety that is developed from a system 
is not necessarily the problem of the individual. And if you if you consider just for a moment something like lab rats, right? Um, there's a classic example of lab rats taking uh, drinking water that is laced with cocaine or some other kind of narcotic instead of drinking the normal water until they die, right? And it's like all they want to do is drink this water that is laced with drugs. But the problem is that you have these rats under extremely poor circumstances. So rats are very, very social mammals. They play, they they reproduce, they mess around, they build little houses and nests. And if you take a rat and you put it in a steel cage by itself under extreme circumstances, you poke and prod it all day, yeah, man, it's just going to take the drugs and lose it. So you have to recognize the system is producing stress on these individuals that it's not necessarily like the individual's fault. If we looked at the rat in the example of the steel cage and just said, oh my gosh, what's going on with this rat? This rat really has like these mental difficulties. We should address the rat. It's like, well, I mean, maybe. Yeah, the rat, the rat's not happy with what's going on, but I think, I don't think it's necessarily the rat's fault. Like if you took a hundred rats and put them in this horrible situation, then likely the majority of the 100 rats would start behaving poorly. Well, there you have it, right? So there are a couple things that Helen said in particular that I greatly appreciate. So the first is grading work on time. And I know this seems like something that's silly, but I know for a fact that when you are dealing with, say, writing, okay, and you're teaching people how to write, the vast majority of students that I worked with over the last almost 20 years would always tell me in their junior year, they generally wrote about four or five essays total. Okay, so they're in these English classes, usually very high-end AP English classes or even the standard English class, and they're like, look, we're not writing that much. And I said, okay, well, how much how much time does it take to get feedback? And overwhelmingly, the students would say it would take months or they wouldn't even get the essay back before they wrote the next essay. So imagine you're somebody in, say, AP English or just normal English. You're trying to get a great grade. You spend all this time writing an essay. You submit the essay. You don't get your grade back on the essay. For months and you don't get feedback so you've put all this effort in and then you try to improve yourself for the next essay but you don't even have feedback from the teacher to know what you did right or what you did wrong and then a lot of the times teachers wouldn't take the time to sit down with the students so the students would just get a grade like a b plus or a b minus or an a minus or whatever it is whatever the grade is and they'd go up to the teacher and this is what again the students would report they'd ask the teacher and they're like well it's just it was b plus work or it's b minus work or like it could have been better it's like Okay, okay, I'm not against saying it could be better, but what does that mean? So imagine now, imagine now that the test scores are not being required or accepted by the UC system and the CSU system, okay? And now you have to rely on GPA even more. Well, what, what are you going to do? You can't mess around with a B anymore. Or rather, if you're close to an A, you can't mess around with a B. If you're close to a B, you can't mess around with a C. You got to know exactly what's going on. There's even this is one of the one of the byproducts of reducing the number of barriers to entry. The things that are left are that much more important and that much more crucial. So, students are now freaking out about their grades to a level that has never has never been before because we've never had this situation with no SAT and no ACT. So you have that zero feedback. You also have a, a, a sliding scale. So say somebody has a 4.0 and they've been busting their hump for a 4.0 forever. Okay, let's just take out AP and weighted classes. Well, now within the district, if you have classes that are, say, giving four point, excuse me, an A to an 87.5%, 
If you're the student who's been killing yourself to get above 90% to get the A, all of a sudden there are a lot more people getting A's, and what's all your effort worth? What's your effort worth? You've been killing yourself to get these grades, but now people that are not working as hard or as not competent and diligent as you are are getting the same grade. You're just like, I mean, the, the frustration with that would just be overwhelming, and that's what's happening. Now, yeah, it's all great for the kid who's now miraculously getting an A because he got an 87% instead of a 90%. Yeah, fine, good for you. But there is some criticism here with, hey, you're dumbing down the the standard and that will devalue the effort that other people put in. So anxiety provoking? Yes, 100%. And one of the last things Helen said that that stuck with me in particular is, what if, and again, her analogies with paying teachers or, you know, perhaps I wouldn't make that analogy, but her point is well taken in my mind, which is, look, what if you paid teachers based on their political leanings, which is self-reported from students absolutely happening? So you take somebody in a history class or in an English class and they have to write essays or have class discussions if they are of the wrong political leaning in this area, I guarantee you they get slaughtered in class. They get shouted down. They get shamed. They get criticized to the point where students, there was this one student I worked with, Lainey, um, and she went to a school in the area. And she was really quiet in class. And I'd always joke with her and, you know, try to get her talking. She wouldn't say much. And then in the last class, I actually I actually popped up a, a free review. It was like two or three days before the test. I was like, look, just come. Come to this free review. Let's get one more class. And she came and she started really talking. And I started laughing halfway through because I said, Lainey, you never spoke this much in class. Why? And it killed me. She said, you know what? I never know what a teacher will say if I actually say what I think. So I just don't say anything. And she she said that by this point, she she trusted me. She understood that no matter what she said, I wasn't going to give her a hard time for it. I mean, I give everybody a hard time, but I wasn't going to you know, devalue her as a person for her views. And she said, it's, it's treacherous. You can't, you can't get away with it in high school because if you say the wrong things, but more specifically, if you're conservative or question in any way, shape, or form, the overwhelming ideology that's taking over the, the campuses, if you question or criticize that at all, you get blasted. And God forbid anybody records you criticizing it, not even in a, a tasteless manner. You could just say, I don't really believe in that or I don't think that. It's all over. So I want you to consider that. Like, Is this system, is this environment that we're plugging our kids into, is this the best environment to, to produce a good, unstressed person? Or is Helen's point, you know, valuable that, hey, if I take a kid who's well-adjusted, happy, having no problem, and I send them to school, and the kid comes back freaked out and anxious and, you know, biting nails, pulling hairs out, self-mutilation, which is a huge problem, all kinds of issues, and that's not the least of the problems that you have with drugs and alcohol, is that the kid's problem? Yes, it's important to focus on you know, mental health and, and take care of kids. I mean, we need counselors like crazy right now, but if we look past the system, we're plugging them into the environment, we're forcing them to survive in, then we're going to be missing the mark. We're going to be missing the mark. There are so many basic things that could be done to improve the environment and reduce the anxiety that students experience at school without pointing the finger at the students and saying, gee, 
you're having a hard time adjusting. Why don't we get you more counselors? Because gosh, you're obviously not, you know, keeping up or something. Whatever it is. I mean, man, again, another valuable point from Helen. And I, I thought that the teacher pay example was a little difficult to follow at times, but I think her overall message was valuable. I hope you did too. I'm Matt Todd, and this is the engine that drives me. Go out and crush it. This podcast is brought to you by Crushwell, the absolute premier vodka seltzer. Available locally, as well as AJ Tutoring, your best resource for not just K-12 prep, but also <laughs> professional and college assistance.